Now listen closely. They will attack your eyes till nothing remains but two bloody sockets. Ladies and gentlemen, my subject is disturbed tonight. Her world is disturbed. Now I saw those bodies and whoever mutilated them has a very special problem. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stay Scary Podcast. Welcome to Stay Scary Podcast, a very silly podcast about very serious horror. My name is Lisa McColgan. I'm your host, co-host Yin Kiefer. And we have a very, very special guest. Introduce yourself, very special guest. Hey, everybody. This is Art the Clown himself, David Howard Thornton. This is what I actually sound like. I apologize. <laughs> um, yes, Art the Clown from, from the Terrifier, uh, Terrifier series now. It is a series. Um, yes. Watch the first one. I, uh, I am a funder for Terrifier 2. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Proud to uh, to support that movie, um, and so that's uh, still in. Are you guys still filming that? We are still filming it. We we had to, of course, postpone production because of the the pandemic. We were almost finished though. That that was what was. I can't talk all of a sudden. That was what was so frustrating. God, it's early in the morning. <laughs> This is why art does not talk. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what was so frustrating about it all. Is like we're so close. I, I think I have maybe four or five more days left on set to film, and I think our female lead maybe has one more day, and they have some inserts to film. So it's basically a week and a half left of filming. I think left to do, and so it's just like, oh come on, we were so close. Right, right. And uh, you guys are filming like in upstate New York. Is that where you guys film? Primarily, yeah. We built ourselves a little studio up there. It's out in the middle of nowhere in like Amish country. So it's like when the whole pandemic started happening, we were in the middle of filming. So we were away from all of that craziness that, you know, was starting up. And so coming back to New York was quite a, you know, a disconnect. It was like, oh, wow, things are different. What yeah. happened? <laughs> So I I was just wondering like when you first I see the kitty uh, I <laughs> hey girl hi <laughs> so cute uh, when I Adorable. first I, one of my first questions was how did you audition for the role of Art the Clown because I did see All Hallows Eve so then you come into the picture so how did you what did they ask you to do during the audition i i actually had to improvise my audition i that was what was so surprising to me because i'm so used to having a script when i go in for auditions and they didn't have one and i started panicking because everybody else had scripts but they were all auditioning for other characters and I walk in the room, I'm even apologized. Like, I'm sorry, I did not get a script. Can I have a few minutes just to look over this? It's like, oh no, you don't need one. So uh, we just want you to improvise a scene where you gleefully decapitate a guy and go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, can can I think of a few minutes? Like, no, no, we just want to see what you can just come up with on the fly. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> did you wear makeup for the audition or did you no. cut yourself? 
I just came as myself. I, I had a Joker oh shirt on, though, so I, I was just, like, trying to subtly hint, like, hey, look, clowns. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, <laughs> it, it went well, though. So um, I, I think Damien actually has posted the uh, audition online, so you can probably look it up. But it's <laughs> it's insane. It's, it's one of those things where I, I say it's important for every actor to have some kind of um, – training in improvisation because you just never know when you're going to be thrown into a, a situation like that where you have to just come up with things on the fly it's uh yeah thinking on your feet it's totally totally vital vital skill oh, it, it really is it's just like I, I've, I've done several auditions where i've been thrown into those type of situations or i've had something happen in the audition and i've just kept improvising to get myself back on track i mean that's i think that's how i got cast in the, the one episode i was in gotham because yep. i ended up choking on my own spit in the middle of my audition and i just instead of just stopping and going, can i start again after i compose myself i i just ended up turning it into the the into the scene because i was getting rid of a, a body so they're like hey move over there let me get in the grave with you i'm dying here <laughs> it just started making it to a whole routine and like the casting director was just laughing her her butt off it, 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 and of course it was caught on film too so it's like when they took it into the higher-ups they were able to say i could think uh, just totally think on my feet like that so yeah. I, I think that's what really got me the part yeah yeah. And one of the things, one of the, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the cholerophobia that a lot of my, my friends do. Like clowns don't squick me out. Yeah. You, you're, are you squicked out by the clowns? Yeah. Yeah. Yins. <laughs> um, I'm not squicked out by the clowns and I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm old as hell. Um, I grew up in the, you know, I'm a child of the seventies and my, uh, you know, adolescence, uh, teen years were more in the eighties, but you know, in the seventies, especially the late seventies with the, with the John Wayne Gacy thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, that sort of brought out like, you know, one of the first of the series of like the moral panics that happened in the late seventies and going into the eighties. And, the, you know, it was around like the clown in the van, like right. the clown driving around the van. And like, I, I got a story about the clown in the van, the collective hysteria of the kids in my neighborhood sort of like created this mythical clown that drove around in a van wearing no pants. Like that's the, that's the key part. No, <laughs> no pants. And so, you know, we got like, it was just one night and we just got collectively like more, hysterical and more like you know it's very much you know a microcosm of you know what happens with the satanic panic what happens mm -hmm. with the salem witch you know hysteria um you know we were convinced that like this clown was driving around our neighborhood and so we all like teamed up and we were gonna like get the clown we were gonna we were gonna bait the clown with my little sister Tina. And so like, you know, cause Tina was blonde and had, you know, and cute and she was total clown bait. And, uh, but <laughs> slowly but surely all the kids got called in for dinner and it was just me and my sister. And my mom was down the street at choir practice cause we were raised Catholic and there was a church down the street. So we were all by ourselves, me and my sister. And we were just like the clowns in the house. We were convinced the clown was now in the house and we couldn't go back into our house. So we, we like, we, booked it all the way down the street to the church, you know, and like we get into the church, we're standing there just like, you know, 
bawling hysterical. <laughs> and my mother's like at, you know, at the front of the church with the choir and she like, she comes running like, what's the matter? You don't think the house is on fire or something's wrong. And, and, you know, we just start, you know, talking about there's a clown with no pants on. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, just the priest. And the clowns. And- <laughs> she looks at us and she just, she just goes, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> so we had to stay there for, you know, choir, the end of, till the choir practice. And then, you know, she brought us home. But like, I just have like that vivid, that's like my only instance of cholerophobia, but like, you know, yeah. themselves. Did you, did you actually think that you were going to be safe in the church from, from a killer clown? That would be the first place I would go if I was a killer clown. I mean, but, you know, I mean, the, the Catholicism runs deep in my veins. <laughs> you know, you start- Arthur Clown wouldn't give a shit. He would go right into that church and he'd find, like, the the head, whatever, the, I'm not Catholic, I'm the pontiff or whatever, and, like, throttle the shit out of him and shove oh, He'd probably crucify him upside down or something. Yeah, totally. No, Art the Clown wouldn't give a and shit. bathe in the holy water, just like, just wash <laughs> his hands off. Like, oh, okay, I'm good. And, you know, honestly, now, given what we know about, uh, you know, the ultimate old boys club in the Vatican, like, a pantsless clown would feel totally at home in a cat. Oh. I said what I said. <laughs> of course, of course, I've got to ask you, Lisa, have you seen clown porn? There is clown porn. Yeah. David, David, you've seen it. I didn't do it. I did not do it. It's it's not me, no. Yin does not believe me. And there's a rule. I think it's like rule 42 or something like that, that if it exists, there's a porn for it. Yeah. He did not believe me. This is several episodes ago when I told her that there's there's Yeti porn. There's Bigfoot porn. Oh, I would not be surprised. I've done dramatic readings of Yeti porn. (laughs) I'm actually looking up that rule right now. Rule, <laughs> I think it's like rule 54 or something. 54, rule 42, if it exists. Something. Rule, rules of the internet. Okay, I'm looking it up now because I'm, I'm... Rule 34. It's rule 34. 34, yeah, there's porn of it. Yeah, yeah rule 34. If you can imagine it, it exists as internet porn. Yep. So there is clown porn. Of course there's clown porn. There's, yeah, yeah. Of course there's clown porn. Of course. Uh, you know. I would probably get down with a clown. They, they probably make balloon animals out of condoms and stuff like that. So. Mm, I have never been to a juggalo convention, um, <laughs> but I would imagine they get pretty like freaky down there. I am pro juggalo because like they canceled the gathering, you know, when they learned mm-hmm. about coronavirus, you know, they, they look out for each other. There's a, there's a code of ethics with the juggalos. I, uh, you know, Plus, they, like, threw stuff at Tila Tequila years ago. So, like, <laughs> I am pro-Juggalo. Pro-Juggalo. Yeah. I, I did uh, Astronomicon earlier this year, and the, this, uh, it's uh, Twisted who, who uh, hosted. So, they had a lot of Juggalos there and stuff like that. They they were a fun bunch of guys, you know. They they love Art the Clown. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and who doesn't? Um, yeah. <laughs> Horrible people. Horrible. <laughs> People don't love Art the Clown. All right, so yeah, so getting back to like, the first time I watched it, I'm not squid. All right, so we've established, and I watched Terrifier, and my dude, you freaked me out so bad. That's how I had to track you down. I was just like, all right, the movie finished. And I'm just like, I gotta find out that this guy like is like totally like normal looking. 
<laughs> I would say I'm normal looking. Well, I mean, but you, you know what I mean. But but I'm just like, I got to look this guy up. And then, of course, you know, I found out that you and I are pretty much like simpatico on a lot of, you know, social and political issues. And I was just like, yeah. all right, I'm, uh, this is good. This is good. But yeah, horrifying. And I think part of that has to do with the utter silence of the character. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no talking. No. Oh my God. That is like, I'm sorry, but the acting is, fin- you are a wonderful <laughs> actor because yes, go ahead, Lisa. I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm going to gush. I'm like, oh my God, your acting is so good. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I think I told you this, it was very much like, like the Harold Lloyd-esque, you know, um, physical comedy, um, silence, you know, and just very, very broad. Like you're bringing all of that theatrical training, you know, into the character. Mm-hmm. There's one point where like, do you get like, you get shot in the foot or you get like the nail to the foot and mm-hmm. grimace, you know, cry out in pain, but no sound comes out. And the first time my husband saw that, he was just like, oh my God, he didn't even yell. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that great? Um, yeah. It just, uh, and just got like progressively like more freaked out as as it you know became obvious that you weren't going to like utter anything and then you know when you're in the um in that uh like that crawl space with the with the baby doll like <sighs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean so great so great well i mean i could gush about that for ages but i mean yeah it's like it's you know the the silent menacing you know evil clown and you know i mean there's a whole history of evil clowns i mean there you know the the clown itself clowning is one thing but then you know there's the theatrical trope of the clown and the and the mm-hmm. evil clown and uh i think edgar allan poe had an evil clown in one of his stories. I would not be surprised. Well, the fool, the fool is like the, the precursor to the clown, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shows up in Shakespeare. The fool is the one who tells the truth. Yes. While at the same time, you know, doing it in a really light way and says the truth with impunity. And right. Art the clown kills with impunity. Like he totally gets away <laughs> with everything. And I wonder if like Art the Clown kind of is that mirror image of, you know, that dark heart in all of us, right? He might just be, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. So David, how did, who did you draw on to, you know, be Art the Clown? Like, is he, is he somebody that you made up in your head, his mannerisms, or did you... He's a, he's a huge amalgamation of so many different people. I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I drew heavily off of what uh, the original Art the Clown, Mike Gianelli, did with him in uh, All Hallows Eve and you know the shorts of like Terrifier and Night Circle, because you know that I you know you got to stay true to the character. So yeah, you know, I wanted to build upon what he had done with the character, and he he left me a really good solid foundation just to start out with. But um, I wanted to add more of the the the, the physical clowning bits to him. So I drew heavily upon my my love of silent film actors. I, I, I grew up watching a lot of those. I love silent comedians. And so I put a lot of Chaplin, Keaton, Harpo Marx, you know, Harold Lloyd, uh, you know, of course, Mr. Bean. Yeah. I, I had a, a lot of influence from Mr. Bean. And then I also had a lot of 
good influence because um, for five years I toured with How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the musical. And I was the understudy for the Grinch in addition to playing uh, Grandpa Who. And our Grinch was a fantastically talented Stefan Carl, who was Robbie Rotten from the, the children's show Lazy Town. He's an amazing. He was such an amazing physical comedian. And he actually had training in clowning. So he was able to like help fine-tune my skills with all that when we toured together. So he was a great mentor to me. Unfortunately, he passed away back in uh, 2018 to cancer, which really sucked because he was so, such a talented actor. I wish he could have kept doing things because he, he was one of those guys that, you know, people knew who he was, but they didn't know who he was. Yeah. I really wanted to see him do more because he's so talented. You don't see actors like that anymore. You don't see that type of comedy anymore. And, and so I put a lot of Stefan into the character. So I, I did that, took those guys, and I took my love of like, you know, great horror villains. Because I kind of look at art as basically the love child of like Harpo Marx and Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and he's like their bastard child. So I, I took all, you know, he's also kind of like, you know, every like, he's like, a huge slasher fanboy in a lot of ways because there's little bits and pieces of every slasher icon that came before him that is part of art. I mean, there's bits of Freddy Krueger, of course, Chucky, Pinhead, because he loves to torture people and just he's so sadistic in that way. You know, he got he's got like the silence of like Mike Myers and Jason, where he's kind of like you know just a force to reckon with. He just keeps coming at you. And he's got <laughs> he, he's got all of these all of these characteristics, and it's like all blended together. And so I, I just blended that with that love of like great physical comedians, and there's art. Yeah, that that last scene where you know his the slab in the morgue is like empty like he's not there i'm like no (laughs) i i was i had i made the mistake of like sitting down to watch that movie it was like midday and i Mm -hmm. my, my daughter was away at school i'm like okay i can watch this and so i'm sitting down and i'm eating lunch and watching this, and I actually got a little nauseous <laughs> watching it, and that never happens. I'm usually yeah. a pretty strong constitution. Oh, you're going to have was... some trouble with the part two then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't David, wait. David has got nauseous, he said, while editing some of the stuff. He's just like, oh, God. <laughs> and, and I did see All Hallows' Eve, and Art the Clown, he actually kills the kids in that movie. Yeah. And oh, yeah, no one's safe with art. There's, there's, there's no safety net with anybody in these films. It's just like he, he will go after kids. He has yeah. a moral compass. He's like Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I no would, I would elect art before. <laughs> Why choose the lesser evil? You know. <laughs> Emphasis on lesser. <laughs> oh God. My theory about uh, about art, and I think I, I think I said it to you once that I thought art was like a like a, a tulpa. That's a it's a concept um, in uh, mysticism that it's um that it's something that's created from you know just the negative negative energy um, mm-hmm. or you know through you know it's it's a it's a manifestation of just the culture at large, you know, yeah. 
You know, you can't really kill him. You can't kill a tulpa. You know, you can't destroy a tulpa. You know, it's all, you know, it's like tulpa, it's, it's similar to a poltergeist. That's sort of like my theory of, you know, where he came from. Because I've seen discussions like, is he an alien? Is he this? Is he that? And, you know, like I said, I think once art, you know, art, like art, the character and just art itself is, is put out there for consumption, like any kind of interpretation is, is the correct interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, there's lots of fun theories out there about who he is and stuff like that. That's uh, Damien and I have had a lot of fun playing around with his origins and all that kind of stuff too. So we we essentially know who he is and stuff like that. But you know, we we definitely want to leave a lot of that still as a mystery because I think that's what makes him more interesting. Is like yeah, the the whole like what is he, who is he, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we we I mean I will say that we we put a few little clues in part two, but we don't pull out, tell you who he is or anything like that. I, I, I think we'll address it more in part three, but we still don't want to just, you know, put all the cards on the table yet. So, because like I said, yeah, it, it's fun having that little bit of mystery. It's kind of like the Joker, how you're never supposed to really know who he is, but you, you know how he became the Joker by when he was the red hood, but you don't know who he was before he was the red hood necessarily. Right. He's probably a tulpa too. Well, that's actually like one of the the um, mythos they have in the Batman universe about the Joker. He might be this thing called like the Pale Man or something like that. That is this demonic entity that just keeps on coming back, and that that's one of the theories. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing all the theories that around characters. Because I was looking at Pennywise also. All right, are you are you Team Curry or are you Team Scarsgard? Mm. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, God, that's hard. I, I I haven't really thought of that because you know I I think they both did their own thing with the character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which really worked. And that's that's what that's that's the thing. I you know I I, I guess I have to put a, a point to Scarsgard there because he he made it his own. He didn't try to do what um Curry did with the part. He totally just invented his own version of the character which i i I love it was definitely more like the traditional circus clown i mean very much based on bozo at which also freaked me out i mean i used to watch bozo um on uh morning television in the 70s Uh, (laughs) i I used to watch bozo too Uh, that was back in the 80s i was i i we got wgn Mm-hmm. And uh, down in Alabama, so I used to watch Bozo every single morning before I went to school. Well, there was a Bozo in the Boston market, Frank of Rouge. He was like a movie critic, and and you know, kind of like a big gun on one of the channels. I think it was Channel Five, but like he he was at one point Bozo the Clown. And there's this story that like somebody came up to Frank of Rouge and said, "Didn't you used to be Bozo?" And of Rouge said, "Didn't you used to work here?" <laughs> Bozo, um, and the and the super duper giant Tootsie Roll, which was the consolation prize that you got if you didn't. Yep, yeah, the grand prize game. <laughs> the super super duper giant Tootsie Roll, which yeah, was there, there was no clown watching at my home. Uh, no, no, South Southeast Asian people do not like people made up with white face. I mean, oh, look like ghosts. You cannot watch Yin. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's so interesting because um, when we lived in when we lived actually more in the city proper in Jamaica Plain, every Halloween, and there was like a huge Vietnamese population, and the little kids wouldn't dress up. Yeah. 
they would come and trick or treat, but they weren't dressed up. And so I always wondered like why that was. And now, you know, you've. Yeah, there's a lot of folklore and, you know, superstition associated with like old country, Southeast Asia, South Asia, um, you know, dressing up in the makeup. Um, even in the United States, um, you know, they, the Cherokee had their, their, don't laugh, their boogie dances mm-hmm. uh, during smallpox, you know, so they would dress, you know, so dressing up held a lot. It wasn't something that was taken lightly. It was, you were the embodiment of something. Right, so, right. you know, that's, that, that may be what you're seeing there. <laughs> you also made me think of like Kabuki theater too. In yeah. Japan, so. The Pueblo Indians, like the Hopi, um, you know, also had like their version of clowns, like the, the, the spiritual clown. Most clowns are, you know, they're about amusing other people. Art is about amusing himself. Again, yeah. what, like like the oaf that's in the, in the White House, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask this question. So we know that Art poops and plays with his poop, right? Mm-hmm. What does he eat? Like, you never see him eat anything in the movies. Well, you do see him eat someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, Soylent Green. It's a bath salt clown. Yeah, you know, you see, it's whatever. It's there. That's a nice face. I think I'll eat it. Yeah. yeah. He likes well, head cheese. If- yeah. You're a Pennsylvania girl. You know a thing or two about head cheese. Oh, I know about all the cheese and all the processed meats and all of that. <laughs> if it's if you can make it into a sausage, they will do it in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Never- you guys got me thinking. Um, have you guys like Ryan Murphy's stuff, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you guys see Hollywood on Netflix? Oh yeah. Not yet. No. I really liked it. It's very much a um, overblown representation of post World War II Hollywood, but um, you know it's good. And Ryan Ryan Murphy is uh, he's a great storyteller, and you know I'm a huge fan. Even no, even as they go horribly south every season, like American Horror Story, it always. Mm-hmm promising and then it just like it goes into all these different directions and um but i loved freak show i love mm-hmm. um because i loved twisty i love yes um and i met um i was at uh my sister and i um when uh walker stalker con which is the walking dead um mm-hmm. And it's also, it's, it's, it's specifically Walking Dead, but it also, you know, kind of branches out into, into other um, horror. And it's, uh, yeah, so I got to meet John Carroll Lynch. Yes. And I was just telling him, I'm just like, I just thought Twisty, the pathos of Twisty and just, you know, and like his origin story, you know. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of origin stories and we and we talked about origin stories like several episodes ago I don't even remember now but uh yeah twisty the twisty just had such a twisty broke my heart oh that that was that was a rough origin story I was like oh wow did not expect that I was like jeez yeah yeah and then you have like Evan Peters a few uh his clown story right? Mm-hmm. And this cult, you know, of clowns and all the mayhem they cause. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. 
But yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about, I, I wasn't even thinking about talking about Twisty. I've got, I've got like, in my house, I have like sort of the wall of horror and it's all like autographed pictures of various, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a horror con whore and I, yeah. I will pay the money, you know, to stand in that motherfucking line and meet. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I do have a picture of, uh, I, uh, of Twisty that John Carroll Lynch signed. And I think he's just like, you know, I did it for the laughs. I think he said, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I would love to meet him. He was fantastic, you know, and like, I always love, you know, talking to uh, actors like that who do have like those theatrical backgrounds, which is why I I love, you know, I love talking to you um, because it's uh, coming from the theater and then bringing that, bringing those skills. And it's two totally separate kinds of skills that you have to have. Um, Mm -hmm. You know to balance in between but like when you can marry them in in that way it's um it's pretty spectacular yeah. and i mean it really takes you know horror which it's like this is not just a slasher flick this is actually there's acting involved and you know there's a storyline and you know there's like the whole i'm sorry but like there's no redemption at the end like he's gone he's like that's it he's he's free to kill again and get away with yep. it I I heard about art the clown maybe being in video games we would love that to happen that I would you know that's I know there's been petitions to get me in like uh what is it uh dead by daylight I think that's what it's called yeah because I I think they've had a lot of other horror icons in that game stuff like that I think they recently had a uh, Ghostface Killer in there from Scream and stuff like that. So I'm like, I, I think art would be a perfect addition to something like that. Um, I think some other people have said that they would love to see him as a DLC character for uh, one of the Mortal Kombat games. And yep. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I, I love those games so much. So Ed Boone, hello. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> so, D- David, how am I? I'm allowed to call you David. Can I call you David? Oh, sure. Okay. So, <laughs> this is yeah. This is like meeting Santa Claus for me. So. <laughs> well, you don't have to sit on my lap, so that's okay. <laughs> the Me, me Too gen- uh, generation now is like, nope, that, uh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I would run the risk of getting my throat slashed. I guess. Yeah, I yeah probably so. So, um, no. So, how like? Is your mom happy that you're doing these movies? <laughs> I, I well, I, unfortunately, I lost my mom back when I was in college, which is basically uh, set me on the trajectory I am in life now. Because I was originally uh, studying to be a teacher, mm-hmm. I, I, I was trying to be pragmatic with my life choices. I was like, well, you know, as much as I love doing theater, I was like, uh, I can't support a family most likely with the acting career because this is a very certain uncertain uh career path so david you lost you lost your mom in college you decided mm-hmm. and, and i'm sorry I, I i didn't know that so but yeah I, no that, no it's fine it's a, sensitive. I, I i mean this was like 18 years ago now it's hard to believe it's been that long i was just like yeah. wow but but that's what started me on my path because like that was our last conversation with each other she was um she just wanted to impart some last it's a wisdom, which I totally took to heart. She's like, you know, she's like, I, I had, she, she's, she told me, she was like, she had all these regrets of things she never 
did in her life that she was, a, she wanted to do things, but she was a, too afraid of trying. And she's like, I, I don't want you to I get that. go through that. And she's like, you know, don't do what you think you have to do with your life. Do what you want to do with your life. Live your life. Don't do what you think everybody else expects of you. It's your life. You live it. You make it your own. And, and I, you know, it, it really didn't sink into about a year later when I'm in my internship in the, the school classrooms. And I was, and I was, doing story time with my children. And I was going through a lot of stuff that year because I, I, I went back that fall and in the course of a month right before I went back to college and that going back to college to do my internship, I lost my dog. I lost my grandmother. I had a oh friend commit God. suicide. And then my sister married a homeless man. So there was a lot of like, what is going on right now? And this is like a year after my mom died. So I was already in like a very depressed state at that point. So I was, it was a very dark period. And I was not very happy. And I was making mistakes left and right in my internship, which was surprising by people at my, at my college because they're like, I was head of my class you know I was like top five percent of my college and I was just making mistakes because I was just so depressed and I, I was I was just not happy and um I was in my classroom one day reading stories and I was doing all the voices for the kids and they were laughing and having a lot of fun and it dawned on me I was like oh my gosh this is what I need to be doing yeah this is what fulfills me this is what makes me happy is bringing joy to all these people. And it, this is, this is, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. And so I, I talked to my dad and I had a whole speech prepared because I know how my dad is. He's a NASA engineer and very pragmatic man. And I was expecting the whole, well, you put all this time and effort and all this money into this, you need to do this with your life and you can have a career teaching and blah, blah, blah. He was like, no, your mom and I always thought that you needed to be an actor. We just didn't want to tell you what to do with your life. We wanted you to make your own decisions. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I had a speech prepared. It was a very rousing speech. Amazing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so he was like, I, no. I totally get, I totally get like having the engineer dad. My dad's an mm -hmm. was he's retired, but he's an Mine engineer. Too. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you know, that mindset. It's just, yeah. it's a very, it's a very, he's like, he, unless you're, you know, you live with engineers, you don't understand engineers. As my mom would always say, they're so smart, they're stupid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes they, 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 overthink they, they, they overthink everything everything they live on a different planet than the rest of us mentally yep it, it, and my dad's a german engine you know my dad's of german descent so uh, it's like yep. everything is just so you know yep and, and and that, that's my hometown of huntsville alabama because all the german scientists came over after you know <laughs> world war ii operation paperclip those were the, the the men and women i i grew up around because my grandfather worked with von braun to start the what became NASA, so I, I grew up around all those German scientists. So I'm I'm very used to that. Yes, you have to do this and this and this yep. and this. Is how everything is. That's how it is. Yeah, very methodical, <laughs> and you can't ask you cannot ask them an, a yes or no question because they'll say. And they'll tell you why. It's just not yes, yes or no. There's always the, the everything behind it. It's like, oh, ah! I, I still don't know what my dad did for NASA. <laughs> I, I just know he worked for the solid rocket motor, the big brown tank on the, the space shuttle. And I, I, he would, I would like, what did you do? And he was like, well, blah, blah. I'm like, dad, dad, just tell you, make, you, you make rocket go boom. 
<laughs> just layman's terms here. I, I, I don't know what – I, I think he had something to do with, like um, – he was like the middleman between Houston and DC and Cape Canaveral. He, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like my mom didn't even know. We had no idea. When I moved to New York, everybody was like, oh my God, your dad worked for NASA. How cool. I'm like, yeah. It's, I guess. I guess. I mean, that was, that was normal where I'm from. It's just like, that was just, there were, test firing rockets out on the arsenal so you're used to the house shaking and stuff i was like oh they're just testing rockets again it's just oh <laughs> it's, that's what it is i was like oh my dad would come home and he had something signed by an astronaut i'm like oh just add it to the pile boy this is what my dad did and here i am killing people at movies and stuff like that and being silly so i'm like yeah, well Arthur Khan is very methodical he is he is very He's methodical loads up everything in that big trash bag you know he knows yeah. exactly what he's he, prepared he's prepared he's he is prepared he's prepared for thinking. everything he's a well accessorized clown he really and he is. shows up freaking everywhere like you know you think that you're like safe around the corner and you move because he's behind you and all of a sudden there he is and you're yep. like damn where'd you come from he like teleports or some shit i don't know who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, but you know. <laughs> Can we talk about the scene when 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 he scalps her and then like puts her breasts on? It's <laughs> Gene thing. Yeah. Uh, and then dances around. Yeah. Oh my! That was. I mean, you were really good doing that. I'm sorry. Thank you. Again, it, that was a very interesting day on set. I felt so sorry for our poor crew because they did not sign up for seeing my naked butt. Because <laughs> it wasn't written like that. It was written where I wore that over my clown costume. And Damon came to me like two days before we filmed it. He's like, I got a really messed up idea I want to run by you, but I think it's really cool. And I'm like, okay. He's like, why don't you do that naked? And I'm like, Oh. <laughs> I was like, because I'm like, who wants to see me naked? No one. I'm like, I, I don't want to see me naked. I'm just like, mm. but I'm like, you know what? Number one, that's really freaky that he would strip out of his clothes and put on someone else's skin just to mess with a victim just to psychologically just mess with somebody it's just that's what he was doing there he's he's just taunting her yeah you're like you're like mincing around you know doing the the, the hair flip yeah yeah honestly it's such it's such a normal a normal gesture that like you made absolutely fucking horrifying thank you and then you got I, I the music in the background like the 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 saxophone like Oh yeah. yeah, it's it was so phenomenal. Up. It's so messed up. It's it was that realizing how messed up that would be, and then also thinking it's like you know Catherine who, who played Dawn. I'm like, she's really exposing herself in a very vulnerable state in this film for her kill scene. And I'm like, you know, if if she can do that, I can do this. I can show my butt. <laughs> so okay, sure, I'll do this. And so that's what we did. And so. I think it came out really well. We actually filmed two versions of that scene where one with me doing what I was doing. The other one was I had the baby doll, Emily, 
Mm-hmm. And I was walking and I, I came up with it nursing on my boob. I, I, I came, then I started using it as a puppet. Like she, Emily was showing me where she was hiding. So I was doing a lot of puppetry with that. Like she was talking to me. Oh, that is so cool. And so it's like Damien basically had to flip a coin about which version he wanted to use in the film because they were both equally freaky. Yeah. We had fun. We had so much fun with that. But it's, it's also interesting how like, some of the hate we've gotten from that because I, I remember seeing one time someone commented saying that it was very transphobic and I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not what we're trying to do no. at all with the scene. It hadn't, there was no commentary on, you know, on any of that. That, that was the furthest thing from our mind. And the funny, the ironic thing about that person saying that is the actress that would, that played the homeless woman is a trans actress. I did not know. Yes, that's pretty amazing. If anybody, and I had to, I had to go to Puya immediately when this happened. Like Puya, what, what do you think about this? She's like, oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It's like if anybody was going to have problems with that scene, it would be Puya, and she would have been on our butts about it. Yeah, because that she's she's a big, huge activist in that area. She'll keep you very open about it. Yeah, she's very open about being. Um, that she's done articles about being a trans actress and everything like that so if if, she, if anything was wrong with that she would have let us know and we talked about that like several episodes ago when we were talking about um uh actually it was the uh, interestingly enough it was the ed gein superstar uh episode where we talked about like ed gein and how he influenced you know various horror movies including mm-hmm. silence of the lambs and we did get into sort of a conversation about whether or not james gum was like a transphobic you know um, portrayal like if, if that you know and you know as as a bunch of cisgendered people you know it's not really like our place to say that but right I have heard arguments you know pro and con there um, right but yeah that scene was very much like a, a very much like a James gum Ed Gein did that you know he had like the breast vest that he yeah. and he would put that on and and dance in the moonlight um you know, so that's what that that scene like. Really, I was just like, oh man, that's some Ed Gein shit right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, art, art's just twisted. He's just like, he's gonna. And it's amusing to him, and he he knows that that was just a great way to just psychologically break someone because that's how I kind of look at terrifiers. Like you know, people say oh, that hadn't didn't have a plot. And I'm like, actually, it did, mm-hmm. and the plot was what reduced a totally average and normal like uh, college students to snap and break and like uh, viciously attack and mutilate uh, a tv host right mm-hmm. and this is what it was it's kind of like the killing joke uh graphic novel where it's like all about it takes one bad day to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy and that's what it was so you're seeing what broke her and that's what it was art yeah art was doing whatever he could to mentally break her and it's like i i think that's why he kills tara at that point with the gun it's like he 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 realized i can't mentally break this girl i cut her best friend in half Mm -hmm. upside down with naked with a hacksaw (laughs) in front of her and she still not broken mentally i'm like that's you know she was still just headstrong against him like come on motherfucker (laughs) like and he's like okay i can't break you damn you i'm I'm done playing you're not fun anymore yeah and she ends up not being the final girl which i thought was 
interesting choice. Yeah. But then his her sister comes in and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to make I'm going to break her." And that's right. what he did. And yep. he was doing whatever he could to really just wind her down mentally and destroy her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Body count in that movie um, was pretty high. How many How many bodies? Eight people in that film that Art killed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. All very violently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed, like, all of them, there's basically something's done to their face, too. There's like, he, he likes to disfigure faces. You know, when they talk about overkill in certain, in certain murders, you know, and, and, and going for the face. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of his thing. He likes to disfigure faces. Yeah, like in the the girl in the very beginning that you were just talking about, who's talking to the reporter. You know, like her face was just you know yep. like annihilated, and she got to she got to live to talk about yeah what he's doing, and he's watching her on television. Yep. I wonder oh, if he's yeah. like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. Yep. I hit that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hit that. Yeah. I, hit it, I hit it with the car. <laughs> or a truck, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that, that's, that's where like part two, you know, comes in. It's just like part two takes place that same day that um, she's, she does that to uh, the, the TV host. <gasps> oh. Yeah, that's, so part two takes place a year after where all this is happening, so... Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, did you guys see Clown? Like the movie Clown? Clown, yes, yeah, yes. Oh my god. That's another one that like like flipped me out. Um it's about this guy who for some reason it's his kid's birthday party, the clown falls through, he finds this clown costume and you know, becomes the clown for his kid's birthday party. It's a huge success. And then he finds out that he can't take the clown outfit off. Mm-hmm started to fuse to him and he starts turning into this sort of like monstrous murderous clown and the only way to you know end it is you know he either has to be beheaded or he has to devour five children yeah oh my god it's a a pretty incredible movie david do you do you ever want to take the art the clown suit off in the future in the future (laughs) <laughs> not, not like now you're no art's having a good run you want oh, yeah. art. you want to keep him for a while but like oh, yeah. what other things would you like to do i i mean i am open to whatever i'm like i'm i'm just happy to act that's that's yeah. how i look at it. i'm i'm blessed to be where i am i i you know it's like i know so many people would kill to be where they where i am right now <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like i i didn't think i was gonna be here because i i you know, especially with horror, I never imagined I'd be a horror, I guess, icon or whatever. Because I guess people are saying that's what I am now. Like that's kind of weird to to think. Hey, kitty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, it's he's like, what are you talking about? But uh, I was like, yeah, it's just like I, I I'd always done comedy, so I was like, this is cool. So I'm I'm happy to be where I am. Yeah, so, and, I'll, and- I'll, I'll do whatever. And you've done voices, you, you were doing voices for kids when you were student teaching. Yeah, and I've done a lot of voiceover work for uh, different children's programming as well, which is kind of funny. No. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go figure. It's like, I, I'm happy to work wherever I can. So, it's like, right. yeah, it's, it's fun for me. It's like uh, people, you know, ask me before, you know, if I if I get, if I'm okay with, if I ever get typecast as playing art, I'm like, you know, sure. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great career. I, I can't 
I can't be ungrateful for that opportunity to have. So Absolutely. Like, yeah, sure. yeah. If this is, if this is what I'm known for, this is what I'm known for. I mean, I look at Robert England, he's had a, a great career, but he's known for Freddie. I was going to say, it's like, you know, Robert, Eng you know, when they have like the annals of, of history of like mm -hmm. diabolical, you know, villains in horror, there's, you know, Robert England and David Howard. I, I still can't believe I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's, like, this, it's so cool. <laughs> thank you. I, I just feel like I'm just myself. I'm still like the, the, you know, the shy geek from Alabama that just, I just got lucky. Finding like increasing lines of people uh, wanting to meet you at the cons. Yeah, it's it's kind of surreal. We we had that moment when I was there at Astronomicon where I I, I did my big huge um in costume photo op and stuff like that. And I, I, I it's the first time I did it with the bloody outfit on because we weren't able to launder my costume before the the convention. So I had all the set blood on me and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. But I, I I had to go and change clothes and I had to eat lunch and. When I came back, there was this huge, huge line just going throughout the whole entire convention of people waiting for me to come back so I could sign everything for them. It is like this is a convention where, like, you know, Bill Mosley's there, um, like, uh, uh, God, uh, like, yeah, CJ Graham. Um, so, so, David, you get actually get to be, you know, a movie star. I, I was saying to Lisa, you get to enjoy some relative anonymity just walking down the street, even though like millions of people have seen you on the screen by now, you know? Yeah, it, it is kind of nice in that, that way. It's just, it's because I, I, I don't have to worry about just people just, you know, pestering me like some, some people do when they're just trying to go get groceries or something like that. So that's yeah. kind of nice. So it's like, that, that's, I think that's like every celebrity's ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> situation is like be able you know people know your work but you can still live your own life yeah. and not have like paparazzi following you around and stuff like that i mean i look at doug jones of like that yeah he's he's played so many awesome characters and people know who he is but they don't know who he is yeah. he's that guy in that thing there's a, yeah there's a documentary exactly. i think that it's, it's called that that guy in that yeah that's Doug. <laughs> it's just like he's, uh, that's like the kind of career I would love to have is to be able to play so many crazy cool characters, but still be able to retain my own life. Right. So David, what, what movies do you like to watch like in your free time and you know, when you're just hanging out? In quarantine with all of us. <laughs> I, I watch everything. I, I, I watch everything from rom-coms to like horror. So I'm like, I, I just like to be entertained. Uh, recently I watched, it was a really fun one. It was, I, I found, I've been doing a lot of Amazon Prime yeah. movies aside. And I've been going through a lot of old horror films on there, which has been a lot of fun. I've been watching some things I'd never watched before. And I came across this film this week called The Com uh, Comedy of Terrors. It's with uh, Peter Lorre, Vincent Price, Boris oh. Karloff, and uh, Basil Rathbone. Oh my God! Amazing. It's hysterical. It's it just it's it like Peter Lorre especially was cracking me him. up. It, yeah. it, it it came out 1963, so it was the year before he passed away too. And I was like, I, I didn't realize how funny he was. He mm -hmm. he's so good at playing these sad sack type of characters, yeah. and it's, it's just it's this whole it's this whole the whole premise of this movie is with uh, Vincent Price as a funeral director, and he's like tight on money and his like his landlord 
played by Basil Rathbone. It's just like, okay, um, hey, you got to pay me more money or you're getting kicked out. And so he's been killing people to stay in business. <laughs> and so he goes after his, his uh, landlord's like, well, why don't I just kill him? Kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> and it's just like things ensue. It, it, it's it's funny because like he, his his character, like Basil Rathbone's character, apparently has this condition where it appears that he's dead, but he's not dead. So he's oh my god! Back. He's like, oh my god, he's not. So he's like in the middle, of like they they bury him in his in his oh. crypt, and he comes out of the crypt. He's like, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, it's just this whole movie is just so funny. It's like, oh my god! But they got all these great horror legends in this yeah. together, and it's like this is fantastic. I was like, I would love to do something like this in modern day times, you know, like with a lot of great horror legends. But instead of being like a true horror movie, do it as a comedy like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh my God, that's yeah, that's a deep dive. Like I haven't heard of that one. I mean, and and we've uh, I hadn't either. We've uh, you know we've scraped the bottom of the barrel with some of the movies that we watch. Like uh, and and we're starting to do like live um, Saturday night movie mm-hmm. with, with our with our listeners. And so what we watch Killer Sofa. Yeah. <laughs> well, watch this one. It's it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Comedy of Terrors, and it's fantastic. It's like I I just randomly came across it, and I just saw Vincent Price, Peter Laurie. I'm like, okay, I'm sold already. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I love Vincent Price, especially. I just I will watch anything that man does. He has a cookbook. He does have. A, oh my god! One of our uh, regular guests, Jonathan Woodard, has the cookbook, and so we want to do a live. You know, once all of this, you know, maybe returns to whatever normal is going to be, yeah. a live show where we make something from the. Oh my god! Book. My mom actually met him when she was a little girl when she was in Girl Scouts. Oh my god! Yeah, they that something happened. I can't remember the story, but she she said that he was just the sweetest man too in real life. It's like. Some of the best people are horror actors. Like some of like the yeah. <laughs> See, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about myself, but I'm like yeah, that. That's what I was when I first started doing conventions. You know, I was like, oh god, I don't know how. You know, Damien and I are going to be you know treated by all these guys because I'm so used to seeing them playing these horrible characters, these mean, horrible men in these films. And here I'm like, okay, we're going to be going to these conventions. They're going to look down upon us like, though, who do these guys think they are? These two upstarts with their little killer clown movie, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I was so expecting that. And it was the total opposite. They're all just like, oh, hey, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to our world. And they, they all were just so enthusiastic about, you know, accepting us into the fold. It was, they're all just the night, like Bill Mosley, Kane Hodder, CJ, you know, all of those guys are just, uh, they're just wonderful human beings. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when, you know, they say never meet your heroes and that's, you know, I've met a lot of actors over the years and like, some of them are just really shitty people, but it's mm-hmm. never been the case um, with meeting people in the horror canon. No, one of the best people, <laughs> one of the greatest people. I was so excited to do this because we did a we did an episode about like people in horror that we have crushes on, and one mm-hmm. of my crushes is Linnea Quigley, who's mm-hmm. a return. Of- oh, she's so sweet. She's the sweetest, nicest person. Mm-hmm. 
and we got pictures with her and she was like so excited, you know, and, and I got, she got a, we got a picture of her with tiny Nosferatu. Yay. The, the mascot. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, did, you, did you find doing like the really gory stuff? Like, it, was it therapeutic at all? Because I find watching horror. No, it's, 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 it's the, the I find watching, I mean, Lisa backs me up on this. I think, um, you know, we find it therapeutic to watch horror, you know, mm-hmm. like this stuff being played out in front of you, just kind of like, because you can't, it's yeah you can't kill your boss oh yeah you can't kill you know you can't like throttle the person who cut you off in traffic you can't do but like you can watch it on the screen and go oh you know and and yeah. there's a down like how, did you doing it does doing it do that for you at all it, it does it it, it it's can be but at the same time there's also a little bit of an ick factor too <laughs> with some things i've had to do and i'm like oh god what am i doing here but at the same time it's like that that inner kid like kind of ick factor like oh this is gross but so cool <laughs> it, it depends on the moment because sometimes it's miserable too when you're being covered with copious amounts of blood and it's cold right and sticky you're like ah. <laughs> is it hard to, like to shower like does it come off in the shower easily oh, it comes off very easily yeah it's it's a whatever he uses is very very uh water soluble so that's that's the good thing about it that's that's what makes me very happy about it but yeah it, it can be very uh very cathartic at times it's just like I, they've there have even been scenes on set where they're just like pretend it's trump <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> all right <laughs> I think sometimes they, they even try to like just press my buttons to get a rise out of me just so they get a little bit more aggression out of me too. So it's just like, it, there's also like this one night I feel so, so stupid about it on set this, this, this year uh, where I'm having to throw a character and I, I was doing something. I just, it, it just wasn't reading right with the throw and they're just like, do it. And I, I could tell Damon's getting upset with me. And I'm like, I was getting upset. And he's like, just throw your arms. And I do it because I, I got so irritated with it because we were having to do it over and over and over and over. And I felt so sorry for my female co-star because I was having to keep on throwing her. I'm like, I am sorry. I'm not, I was getting frustrated with myself. And I got into this, like, that, that one take where I was just so frustrated. And I was like, it was like, that's it. I'm like, oh, well, I feel stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I feel so <laughs> stupid because, like, one of the things that I was doing, I was throwing and I kept my arms out like I was still in the middle of the throw because I thought they were just going to cut away. And I was like, and I just, I was like, oh, so I should have just kept going with my arms. I'm like, I feel so stupid right now. Hey, if that's like, what oh. it took, if that's what it took to get there, right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, were they deliberately trying to piss me off? So excited. I'm getting my shirt soon. Um, I can't remember all the like the swag that I get for uh, for funding that, but it's it's because I was yeah. I wasn't I'm not like a top tier, but you know I was just mm-hmm. sort of like you know I I can afford to you know put myself at at such a level that you know. Well, we appreciate it because it's like, I mean, we we still don't have like a million dollar budget for this thing, and it's like we've pulled off amazing amazing miracles with this film with what we have been able to do with the budget we have but it's the budget we have is where we've been able to do what we have hmm. been able to do it's like this this big huge set piece that we filmed right before the pandemic shut down it was it took 
about a week to film this whole entire sequence and we could not have done it without the 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 all the 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 donations we got from the, the campaign it's like that's what our budget went to was this one scene because we had to hire stunt performers and all this kind of it's it's pure mayhem it's like oh my god what we've i got to see a rough edit of it recently it's it's about 10 minutes of just chaos it, it's just wonderful it's, it's such a fun scene it is such a fun scene and it's because of you guys you guys donate to the film and we're able to make the scene possible. So reminds me, this is coming out in September. Well, we originally wanted to come out this fall, but we don't know right now because we still have to finish filming because the stupid pandemic is just like, so that's all up in the air. We, we still would love to release this year because Damien has been busy during this whole downtime editing everything that we filmed so far. So he's been making good use of the time he's been editing, but he's also been building prosthetics. He's actually been adding (laughs) to what we were originally going to film for these last few scenes, these last kill scenes. So I did not expect that. So they're already going to be bonkers. And now he's made him even crazier. What's he's like, Oh yeah, I've decided to add this to it and this to it. And because I had the time to make these things, I'm like, well, okay, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So, like this is—he's made good use of this downtime, so we're actually improving on things. I think so. It's like what I thought was already going to be a crazy kill scene has been, you know, just amped up even more. I'm like, oh my god, we are going to gross so many people out. <laughs> we are definitely not getting an R rating. <laughs> I am. I'm. I can't tell you, know. you how excited this makes me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! It's it's definitely it's it, if it got an R rating, I would be surprised. It's, it's NC seventeen by far. I I think yeah yeah. It's just like we're not pulling back at all. We are not playing it safe at all. Awesome! awesome, awesome. <laughs> it's it's like like one of these kills that we did is it's it's just mean. It's a very vicious and just mean, violent kill. It's just like, oh my god, this is is where Damien was getting nauseous editing it. He's like, I I can't believe we're doing this. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, that's sort of the struggle of like every horror fan, I think, you know, is like, you know, how much is too much? Am I getting too much enjoyment? You know, and especially there's a lot of misogyny um, in horror. Um, Yeah. It is. It's a struggle as as a as a as a woman who is into horror, you know, to to you know watch certain things and yeah, try to justify um, what you're watching. Well, I, I will say that Art does some things to some guys in this film. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's an equal opportunity slasher. Yeah, he he really is. He's an equal opportunity slasher. He's, that's that's a great way to put it. It's like he hates everybody equally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so yeah, he, he does some, you know, I granted most of the kills are uh, females and stuff like that, but it's like, oh, the guys get theirs too, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just the eternal struggle that, that Yin and I, you know. Oh, yeah. As, as female horror yeah. films. Uh, well, I, I will say that our female protagonist that we have in this is a very, very cool character. I, I, I absolutely love. Yeah, I've gotten that impression just from the stuff that you've been sharing. 
Um, yeah, she she's a total badass. I just I love her character. Uh, Damien has said this is his favorite character he's ever written. So I'm like, uh, so we're, we're just getting started with this character too, in a lot of ways. I think so. It's just like, we, it's like he, he needs he needs his Batman to his Joker. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny because like the the shtick that you know Lisa and I have going is like she's the goth person and I'm mm-hmm. the fucking hippie, and it's like it seems so very antithetical to someone who is like you know I'm into gardening, I'm into mm-hmm. you know peace and yoga and happiness and all this other stuff, but I really 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 like horror. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. There's but that's also so funny. It reaches across so many lines with right. so many different demographics of people. It's like people because there's. I think there's something everybody can identify with horror. Everybody has fears. There's always something that everybody fears, and that that whole that I, I think people love horror so much because it's that you you feel like you survived something. Exactly. That's exactly it. And, and that's what we try to tackle with this podcast is that we don't so much talk about specific movies in every sep- episode is that we talk about themes, um, you know, like, so we've explored, you know, natural disasters. We've explored Catholicism. Um, early on, we talked, cause I'm a recovering addict. Um, and so, you know, we talked about addiction in, in horror and, and, you know, my experience is that some of the biggest horror fans I know are also sober because you're getting, you know, you're getting that rush from watching horror and you're, 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 you know, you're sort of feeding that, that, that emotional tapeworm, but it's not making you an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that intensity. Yeah. No, I, and I feel like we're like, and especially now we're being asked to walk side by side with our mortality. We're, we're oh, yeah. Side by side with death, you know, all the people that have died from COVID, all of the oh people my God. That are fighting for their, their lives, you know. Against fighting for their lives against not just COVID, but for their freedoms right now, too. Freedoms against equality. Racism, yes, against yeah. systemic racism, against police brutality, you know, against all of the, you know, so it's just... There's so much, and so I think we we need horror now more than ever. Horror is political, and mm-hmm. um, you know, another episode I want to explore is you know like the how zombie narratives dovetail with the political climate. Oh, it, definitely so, definitely so. Certain kinds of movies, you know, manifest as as a result of you know the 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 fear the the political climate and the fear that comes up. Mm-hmm. political climate and i think that's why we're seeing a lot of zombie stuff right now although i feel like that's kind of tapering off yeah um we're, we're, i'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing a lot of pandemic type of stuff coming out soon it's like shakespeare to hold us toward the mirror up to nature mm-hmm. um yep yeah. yep and that's what we even do with our films it's just like like this big thing i talk about there's a very controversial aspect to this scene but it's, you know, I, I, that's one of those things we actually really heavily debated about. Like, should we actually do what we're doing with this? Because it's going to make people angry mm-hmm. that we're doing this. And we're like, you know what? Why not? Because this is what we're supposed to be doing. Horror especially is supposed to be turning the mirror on society. society. Mm-hmm. It's, and this is a very real thing that does happen in our society that we show in this scene. 
But it's, it's, that's what, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be the, the truth tellers. It's like sometimes these are hard truths that we have to put out there, but it's like you have to put it out there so it can change. And that's the role of the clown historically is, mm-hmm. is to, is to. Histori- that's true. That's very, hist- that's historically accurate. It goes back to the, the, the days of the court jester. Yep. Where he was the, the one that could actually tell the truth and say whatever he wanted to. With the king. Questions. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, and the clown in Shakespeare and, and, you know, and just going forward, like he's the truth teller. He's the one who's, who's telling on us as a society. And I, I read somewhere about gallows humor, that there was a guy that, whose job was, you know, when, some, when there were public executions, his job was to tell, tell jokes. Oh, yeah. The, the, the public ex- executions, especially during the French Revolution, were big, huge, you know, public events. The people, I mean, when, when they had the French Revolution, the, um, they actually sold toy guillotines to children. People talk about, you know, how like there's so many, you know, there's this, you know, uh, why are people so into true crime? Why are people, why are there so many horror podcasts and true crime podcasts? And, you know, are we just, you know, too uh, violent a society? Like, man, this is, this, this has always been the case. Yeah. It's because it's something every human experiences is, is mortality. It's, it's, it's that look at mortality. All of us are going to die one day. It's coming to grips with that idea that we're all going to die one day. And I think horror films help us come to grips with that. Right. To accept it more. It's like, yeah, you know what? We all are going to die someday. And on that note, hopefully. On that note, hey. (laughs) And hopefully it won't be because (laughs) you met up with the wrong clown. (laughs) Exactly. Just don't sit on a clown's lap and mess with his hat. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a selfie. Hey. That's that's the thing. It's like you mess with his hat, you're going to die. Okay. So uh, what what else you got to promote besides Terrifier 2? Anything else you want to put out there? Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm going to, later on this year. I'm going to be filming a, another film with some people that are involved with Terrifier and Terrifier Two, or Fuzz and the Lens guys. They play the two cops and the exterminator that I decapitate in the film. Mm-hmm. They are starting their own, um, hopefully, another horror franchise called Stream. Oh, cool! And they're yeah. I wish I could say more about it, but I get to play one of the killers in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking to getting some other horror icons involved in that as well. Awesome. So that's going to be, that's going to be a fun one. It's a great concept. I, I wish I could say more. I'm also going to be doing a film next year uh, that's going to be a horror Western <laughs> awesome. called Spirit Reckoning. And I'm going to be not playing the bad guy, and I'm going to be playing the anti-hero as he's going to be a cowboy that comes back from the dead after he's murdered by this gang of bad guys they murder him and his family and he's burned alive and so he comes out his skull is the only thing that's basically left of his face so it's the skull cowboy and he's coming back for vengeance that's brilliant it's it's crazy it's over the top just crazy nuts it's it's going to be fun and they um they've already cast lou temple as one of the bad guys in it and also son, Sean Patrick Flannery from um, Boondock oh Saints God, is going to be yeah. playing my um, best friend slash mentor. So that's going to be fun working with those guys. And plus, I've oh, always yeah. wanted to do a Western, too. So I'm like, yes, because yeah. now I can actually use my real accent. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up. Um, All right. Yeah. Thanks. So well, much. this has been fun. 
Yeah, you've got the best job ever. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a little while this morning. Oh, you're welcome. It gives me something to do because I'm like, yeah, I'm just cooped up all the time. So I'm like, yeah, I get to chat with some fun people. And, you know, so, yeah. We try to be fun. This one didn't get too filthy. Yeah, I'm amazed. We we work blue. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifier 2 coming out. Um, If you haven't seen Terrifier, watch that shit. Um, it, it will, it will change your life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we don't have much going on. We're going to plan another, uh, a live movie showing. I think we're going to watch Velocipaster. We have to <laughs> talk about that. You know, have you seen Velocipaster? I have not yet. I hear good things though. I hear it's nuts. Yeah. So, uh, like us on the social medias, especially on Facebook. That's where we, uh, that's where we kind of connect cool. with the, uh, with the, the with the live movie showings that we're trying to trying to do during the pandemic, um, so Velocipaster's coming up next. But then we'll watch uh, Comedy of Terrors definitely for sure. Definitely, um, definitely, definitely. Social media is where it's Stay Scary Pod, uh, uh, Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening, y'all, and stay scary. Monster in a house. There's a monster in a house.